How's everybody doing this fine Thursday? Chilly Thursday here in El Paso. My goodness. Had a little snow overnight. Actually, right when we put the kid to bed last night. They, oh, look. <coughs> they already canceled school yesterday before there was any actual snow on the ground. Just so you, anybody knows this. Like El Paso called it yesterday at noon when there was a, a, a threat of snow. So my kid didn't have to go to school today. And essentially what it was is uh, last night we got a little dusting of snow. A little bit on the roofs, the yards, stuff like that. The roads were pretty darn clear, though. We didn't really run into any issues there. How was it over at your place, Tyler? Did you guys get any, a little, a dusting? Yes. We, we there did. you are. Sorry, I was pushing the wrong button. <laughs> I took the sound off to uh, so I could record the streaming, and now it doesn't. I don't get the sound to let me know that I'm actually able to talk. Aha. But yeah, so you guys did get some uh, get some snow over on the east side, huh? Yes. All right. Well, we got a bunch of different topics that we're going to get to today. One of the first things I want to bring up here is make sure you guys are out there and you're following the original gamer life social medias. We're on Facebook. That one's now more active than it had been before. Uh, we are on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. I've been finding different ways to edit the videos to try to make them as, as appealing to people as possible. So your feedback is always more than welcome. You guys can let me know exactly what you think of that, but make sure you guys are going to do that. Oh, we're going to create a TikTok account love of God, I'm actually going to be on TikTok now. Son of a bitch. But yeah, there was a clip I just put up yesterday, or today, of myself getting a couple of good sniper shots in Halo. The clip I posted yesterday is Shim doing his American accent, which was hilarious. And then what was the second part of that one? Oh, it was him talking about oh. how it's a gun, I don't know what to do with it. And Kai made the brilliant comment of, that's why you don't disarm your citizens. Oh my God, it was so good. <laughs> All right, so coming up here on today's show, we're going to be discussing what will be this year's big disaster slash controversy slash disappointment. There's always one in the gaming industry every year, so we're going to be talking about that. And then in the gaming news, big, 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 big news, especially if you watch us playing Halo here at all. The big team battle update patch was unveiled today. That's what they posted, so I haven't tried it out yet. I've been busy editing videos. Uh, the 2021 Game of the Year, It Takes Two. They're adapting that for film and television. Tyler and I have played it. we got to play that some more, by the way. Maybe we'll do that at noon tomorrow. We'll pepper that in with some Halo. Uh, Sony believes it can actually turn Bungie's IPs into movies. As you know, Sony bought Bungie. Sony is offering... Bungie employees $1.2 billion in retention as an incentive plan to stay. They want to keep that, uh, keep the employees there that are already with Bungie. The Nintendo Switch has sold over 100 million units. <laughs> the boss over at EA, he admits that, hey, yeah, yeah, Battlefield 2042, it kind of sucked. Uh, Suicide Squad, kill the Justice League, that's been pushed back. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands has gone gold, which means it's essentially ready to be released. 
And then we're going to take a look at some other games coming out here this month and maybe into next month as well. Over in the entertainment side of things, we have the BAFTA nominations. They're in BAFTA being kind of the British Oscars. Four people have been charged in the overdose death of Michael K. Williams. If Michael K. Williams, that name isn't familiar, but you watched The Wire, you know who Omar is. Chalky White from Boardwalk Empire as well. He was also the professor of biology in uh, Community. Ricky Gervais says he wants to get canceled with his next stand-up show. Rudy Giuliani, on the, he was on The Masked Singer, and that caused a walkout. <laughs> uh, streaming services. Apparently, they're getting a new wave of subscribers with their must-see content, but keeping people around has uh, been a bit difficult for them. And Netflix has unveiled its 2022 film slate, which does include Knives Out 2. Did you watch the first Knives Out, Tyler? I did. I thought it was great. It was. It really, really was. I thought that that movie was absolutely fantastic. I'm really looking forward to Knives Out 2. Moving on to the sports side of things, we do have uh, Brian Flores update. He was the former coach of the Miami Dolphins. He was the big shock when he got fired. Like, nobody thought that he was going to get canned, but he did. And now he's suing the NFL. We'll get into that. Hugh Jackson claims that Brown's ownership wanted him to lose because one of the, the points of Brian Flores is that the owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, was offering up $100,000 per game to lose so that they could potentially get Joe Burrow. And that story gets even deeper because it, I believe it came to a game between the Dolphins and the Bengals towards the end of the season that went to overtime and the Dolphins won, which gave the Bengals the number one overall pick, and they got Joe Burrow. By the way, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, I've, I've known people and still know people who work in the Dolphins organization, and they say he's just, he is a piece of work, man. Like, it, it's completely different when they went from Wayne Huizenga, who was a, like a people person. Like, that guy, there's people who told me he could go a year to two years without seeing you. He would still remember who you are. Where Stephen Ross is like the complete opposite. But we'll get into all of that. Uh, Bill Belichick, he finally addressed um, Tom Brady retiring. We have uh, the Super Bowl ads. They have officially sold out. Oh, crap. I didn't get to. Uh, damn it. I didn't have time to do the quiz show today, Tyler. Aww. So no quiz show today. I apologize for that. So we'll mark that off of the show sheet. I, I got so sidetracked doing those videos. And you know you love your work when you wish there was more hours in the day so you could continue to work on it. That's how it was for me putting those videos together today. Like, I absolutely loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. So hopefully you guys love the videos as well. So make sure you're out there. Uh, original Gamer Life. So... Most of the clips from here, they'll they'll end up over on, on my YouTube channel, at The Real Brandalorian. All you have to do is go look at the logo up there, that amazing logo by Charlie from Viva La Mocha. Um, but, uh... <laughs> Final Zorks. God, people still care about fantasy football. Yeah. People do still care about fantasy football. I take it that you do not. Um... But we are going to get to five fast questions as well. And uh, we've got some things that we learned from nostalgic cartoons in the past year. I was going to do... Man, see, again, 
There's so many other things I was going to do today. I went and opened up my business bank account today. I watched the first 20 minutes of the most recent episode of the Book of Boba Fett. It was great. But, um, wait, what are you saying? Final Zorks uh, just came from a stream that was talking about fantasy football. Um, but yeah, I only got to watch, you know, the first 20 minutes of it and it's not Boba Fett. It's, it's Din Djarin. <laughs> yeah. I'm for myself, uh, I'm taking it. Uh, it says first time, uh, chat from your, uh, from final Zork. So I'm assuming that this is the first time you've, you've been here, but, um, I do still play fantasy football. And one of the reasons I play it, uh, is my mom really enjoys it. I, I started a league. Jeez. I mean, it was. 13 years ago or something like that and that's during uh during football season you know her and i break it down we talk about the waiver wire we talk about the people she's gonna draft we talk about the people she's gonna put in her lineup it's it's a fun time it makes it makes the final fantasy even better um for me uh book of bobo is kind of eh but mandalorian is awesome even if the lead is a all right I'm assuming that Final Zorks is about to get banned here if we're going to use the R word and all that other stuff. It's not uh, It's not really what we're looking for here, my friend. I mean, if you want to chat, you're more than welcome to chat. But if you're going to be a dick, you can just go away. Um, also, if you want to go check out my Instagram, you can find it. It's at the real Brandalorian. I've been posting pictures of my own, uh, my old intercom badges. When I was an intern way back in the day in 2002. And it's funny because the first one, it's like it looks like a mugshot. I mean, that was like the first day that I was there. And then you can tell the things kind of loosened up a little bit. As the second one was a little goofier. And then the third one's even goofier than that one. Having opinions on not being PC is not being a dick. No, but calling someone a woke R-word is being a dick that's not an opinion that's being a dick and you're more than welcome to try to debate this but i could also just kick you the fuck out i have no problems with that my man tyler you want to boot that guy but yeah the book of boba fett again all of last week's episode and everything i've seen from this week episode this week's episode it's not it's not boba fett it's din Djarin. All right, I tell you what. How about this? What would you like to debate? I do have all the power here. You came to my channel. I'm not coming to your channel. But what would you actually like to debate? Because there's a difference between being like debating somebody on an actual topic and then there's being a dick. And everything that I'm following with you right now is you're just being a dick. Especially from somebody who created their account three hours ago. Thank you, Tyler. All right, moving on. So easy that happens. So yeah, if you want to go check out my Instagram, that's another one. Uh, Original Gamer Life, you can do that. And then also um, on Instagram, and then also follow me. It's at the Real Brandalorian over on Instagram as well. That's where I've been posting. It's on my stories, my old intern badges. I have my other badge right here. Can't really see it. And if I put it too close to the camera... Um, the light is going to bleach it out, but I'll post this one when I'm done um, broadcasting today. Because this is something that I've been planning to do for a while. 
this stack over here. Ah, but see, Frank, you created your account three hours ago, and we already love you, man. Like, this right here, these are all the badges and crap from my time in radio. Like, this one, this one's autographed by Tommy Chong. This one was uh, Polly Shore. This is, I think I talked about this one on the air. Natural Born Comics. It was a sketch comedy movie that he did. So, maybe I'll go through these at some point. The only problem is I can't really hold them up to the camera. Because, they, again, they get bleached out. Oh, Steve Montador, rest in peace, buddy. This one is from uh, 93 Rock down in Florida with the Florida Panthers. We had a really good relationship with the Florida Panthers while we were down there. And, unfortunately, Steve Montador, he passed away. Jeez, like, this was like eight years ago at this point. But he was one of the guys that came in quite frequently. All right, moving on to the uh, first big topic. It says here, what would be this year's big disaster, controversy, or disappointment? And it has a great picture here of uh, kind of essentially what it was for every year going back to 2010. The the game that's listed there, 2010, would be Final Fantasy 14, I believe. 2011, Duke Nukem Forever. 2012, it was Mass Effect 3. Tyler, chime in if you disagree with any of these, by the way. 2013, it was Sim City. 2014, it was Assassin's Creed Unity and Watch Dogs. I remember the hype on Watch Dogs, man. But I think that's what leads into this, is that when the hype is so large on something and it, it doesn't meet expectation, that's going to blow up in the uh, developer's face. 2015, it was the game Evolve and the PC port for Batman. I think that's Batman Arkham, Arkham City, maybe? <laughs> See? They want you to talk, Tyler. I agree with them. I, just, I got nothing to say. Uh, 2016 was No Man's Sky. 2017 was Mass Effect Andromeda and Battlefront 2. God, I remember that fiasco with Battlefront 2 where it was essentially, hey, you got to buy all this crap. Uh, 2018, it was Fallout 76. 2019 was Anthem. 2020 was Cyberpunk 2077 and Avengers. And then last year, 2021, it was Battlefield 2042. And, of course, the Grand Theft Auto the trilogy so what's it going to be for 2022 so you agree with all of those tyler you agree that those were a disaster controversial or just a disappointment in general yeah it's a good list so do you have anything in mind that you could think of here for 2022 that could eventually be some sort of a disappointment if elden ring sucks it's going to be a huge disappointment that's exactly the one that i was going to go with with the hype and how on Twitter, people were upset that I left that off that one list. If Elden Ring, it, it doesn't meet the standards, that one is going to be 2022's biggest disappointment. Um, <laughs> somebody, wrote, somebody wrote on here, it's funny how many of these are EA games. Yeah, imagine that. Shocking, right? Somebody else wrote on here, Anthem was a straight-up scam released an unfinished mess of a game pay to have a skeleton crew pretend to work on the game for a year so there's not a massive outcry for returns shut that team down once the firestorm dies down 
Straight up theft. <laughs> Somebody on here says, please don't be Starfield. And Starfield, that's the one that's coming from Bethesda, right? That's essentially going to be kind of like a Skyrim, but in space. Yeah, and odds are it'll get delayed. Because it's supposed to release in November, which, mm, let's be honest. Yeah. Somebody else here says Dying Light 2. comes. Out, it, it does come out tomorrow. That's one of the cool things if you're using Opera, the web browser. It has a whole release calendar right on the top. Dying Light 2, Stay Human. It's going to be released tomorrow. Actually, it comes out today. It's already available on Steam. Oh, snap. Well, there you go. Um, did I lose? There we go. Yeah, somebody said about that. So for the sake of my sanity, I need it to be a good game. Um, somebody else on here says it's impressive to see Final Fantasy XIV there as a 2010 option, and they're right. When the creators literally make a storyline to destroy the servers and then have it die in the most incredible way ever, you know stuff's gone wrong. Then somebody else says, at least Final Fantasy XIV and No Man's Sky got their crap together. Oh, here you go. Maybe the new um, Hogwarts Legacy. That could be 2022's big disappointment. It's any of these titles that people have just been waiting and waiting and waiting for. Essentially, it's kind of what we're talking about, right? Like, that's that's where you're going to get that big fall. That's where you're going to get that major disappointment. And Tyler and I were on the same page, man. It could very, very easily be Elden Ring. If that thing does not meet standards of what people are expecting, that thing is going to blow up in their face. But on that note... It's time for your gaming news today. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a huge story. Kicking off our gaming news, and it is that the Halo Infinite Big Team Battle update arrived today. Uh, 343 Industries, they tweeted this out. They put it out on their Instagram, basically saying, look, if you're already playing the game, stop what you're doing. Restart it, because the patch is now readily available. And if you've watched our stream at all when we're playing on Thursdays, if you're ever watching us on Thursdays, you know the issues that we run into with Big Team Battle. I mean, it could very easily, I mean, we'll play five matches in a row and then we'll run into issues with it. Um, kicking us out, not allowing us in, something else, just, just major issues right there. It says here, the state of Halo Infinite multiplayer has been a roller coaster ride over the past few months. That's to say the least. Where you get stuck playing with those goddamn seeds. But the patch came through today at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern. It says that the uh, senior community manager for, uh, manager for 343 Industries broke the news on Twitter writing yesterday, meeting just wrapped. Update for BTB is ready for launch tomorrow, targeting 10 a.m. Pacific time. No information is given regarding the type of update this is or what is specifically targeting, though the intention to simply uh, of simply fixing Big Team Battle will be enough for many. Yeah, that's hands down. That's all we're looking for at this point. We're just to get that thing fixed. So maybe Tyler and I, that's, let's try that. Maybe tomorrow when we hop on at noon, We'll play some It Takes Two, but then we're also going to test out the big team battle and see what goes on there. 
Or maybe we'll throw in a quick match tonight. Who knows? But our next story has to do with It Takes Two. It's being adapted for film and television. Now, the screenwriters behind the Sonic the Hedgehog movie are on board. Boy, there's a movie that really, when they first released the, uh, God, when they released the first trailer and everybody was all creeped out with how Sonic looked, so they had to go back and then redo Sonic. Good Lord. But Hazelight Studios, the indie developer behind the action-adventure game It Takes Two, is working with DJ2 Entertainment to adapt the title for film and television. Screenwriters behind Sonic the Hedgehog movie are set to adapt the game, although no studio or network has been attached to the project yet. Well, generally what they can do with this is that they'll start to develop the project, and then they go pitch it to all the studios. Like, they can go to Netflix or Amazon or, or HBO or you know any of those ones to... To sign on to get that thing going. That's a great game. Do you think they're going to... they got to include the book, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know how they're going to incorporate that into a TV show, though. It's really going to be interesting I mean, to see what happens there. Yeah, that book is a little... Uh... Yeah. It's, the book thrusts, by the way. Yes. So... I'll definitely check that out, though. But speaking of games being turned into movies, Sony believes it can help Bungie turn its IPs into movies. So as we know, the major story in the gaming industry over the past few weeks had been that Microsoft was purchasing um, Activision Blizzard. And then, kind of on a side note, Sony purchased Bungie. And what the story here says, Bungie um, essentially might want to turn some of their stuff into movies, and Sony's going to help them out with that. It says, Sony recently announced its intention to acquire Destiny 2 developer Bungie for $3.6 million. And just as a side note, so that you know the difference here between the two deals, so Sony acquired Bungie for $3.6 billion. Microsoft was acquiring Activision Blizzard for almost $70 billion. So it's more, it's drastically larger. But anyway... They apparently had a Q&A, and they were talking about all of the upsides that Sony sees for both itself and Bungie as a result of the acquisition. As far as benefits for Sony are concerned, they talk about Bun Bungie's ability to distribute to a variety of platforms, as well as its experience in developing live service games, saying that we have lots to learn from them, therefore our studios will learn from Bungie. But on the flip side... Sony is also kind of hoping that they're going to be able to take some of these IPs from Bungie and then eventually turn them into, in, into movies. Maybe Destiny would actually make out a good movie. Who knows? But in that deal, Sony is offering the Bungie employees $1.2 billion as an incentive plan to stick around. It says here that Sony confirmed its plans to spend a sizable portion of its Bungie buyout offer on retention. Sony says it is prepared to pay one-third of its $3.6 billion, uh, billion dollar buyout proposal, or roughly $1.2 billion, on a long-term incentive plan that will reward Bungie employees who stay with the company. Sony will pay the remaining uh, $2.4 billion for a direct buyout of Bungie's private shares. The bonus is aimed at keeping Bungie's current staff intact after the acquisition. 
so that's just part of their 1.36 billion that they already spent, right? Yeah, that I, I believe that's what it's saying is that of the of the money that they're spending on the acquisition, that's just allocated to try to keep the Bungie employees in place. Like they, they like what Bungie's doing. They don't want to break that up. They're going to keep that as much as they can. And a quick side note here, Nintendo, they've officially sold more than 100 million units of the Nintendo Switch. So that got me thinking. What is the highest selling console of all time? Can you think of it, Tyler? The highest selling console of all time. Yeah, Let's which see console has sold the most? PlayStation 4. No. PlayStation 4 actually comes in number four on the list. Um. Wow, this goes all the way down to the Atari 7800, Atari 5200. <laughs> yeah, see, Twitchy's got... I was going to go with PS2, too. It is. It's PlayStation 2. Highest oh, wow. selling console ever. The PlayStation 2 has sold more than 155 million units. Coming in at number two, it was the Nintendo DS family with 154 million. Just below that, you had the Game Boy and Game Boy Color. It, it lumped those two together, so then there were about 118 million. Now, your PlayStation 4, that does come in at number four at 116. And then the Nintendo Switch, which we just talked about, that's now up to about a little over 103 million units sold. Xbox is pretty far down there. The 360 is the highest selling Xbox at 84 million. And then the Xbox One has 51 million. And the, the original Xbox only had 24. It's quite interesting how that works out. Battlefield, that was a big game for me and my buddies for a while there. We would play some Call of Duty, but we really morphed into playing more Battlefield than anything. And, uh, yeah, the boss over at EA, he says, it did not meet expectations. Wow, that's the understatement of the century. Things have not gone well for Battlefield 2042, the latest entry in EA's long-running military shooter series. It was buggy at launch, forcing DICE to rush fixes and worse. Many Battlefield fans really didn't care for some of the game's core design choices. Man, I told you guys this from the beta. And I wasn't even sure that I was right. I wanted Because obviously when you're playing a beta version of a game, you know that there's going to be issues. There's going to be things that are going wrong with that game. But it just, it, it, that thing did not feel ready compared to any of the other betas that I've played. It says here, uh, Battlefield 2042 was hammered with negative... User reviews on Steam immediately after launch, the majority of early complaints focused on deliberate design choices that players felt stripped away too much of the traditional Battlefield character. It says here that EA CEO Andrew Wilson said that the launch of Battlefield 2042 did not meet expectations. He also acknowledged that while some of its problems arose from the difficulties of working from home during the COVID-19 pandemic, Fans just didn't care for some of the changes that developers made to the formula. Shocking. Hey, if it, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Looks like we have a bunch of games that are still getting delayed. Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. That has reportedly been pushed back 
to uh, 2023. It says here in 2020, Rocksteady Studios revealed Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, the studio's first project after completing the beloved Batman Arkham trilogy. It says they... Uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League's reveal trailer ended with a message telling fans to expect the game in 2022. Good. Looks like it's been uh, quietly delayed. There's your air quotes for you right there. Quietly delayed. That thing has been. And final uh, notes here on our gaming news. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands has gone gold. You a big Borderlands fan, Tyler? I am, man. I think I love that that series of games. Borderlands is a good series. And Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is a part of that. Um, it says here, the latest title in Gearbox Software's Borderlands franchise, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, has gone gold in, in anticipation of its March release. Now, going gold means that the title's master disc has been developed which is the disc that will become the standard for all the physical discs printed and shipped to retailers. This doesn't mean that the game is completely finished, of course, as is common in the age of digital downloads and day one patches. It does mean that Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is ready for its next month, uh, its release next month, which means that fans are getting excited to dive back into Tina's crazy world. Is this going to be a purchase for you, Tyler? Likely, yes. <laughs> I love D&D and I love Borderlands, so... Hey. There you go. So we have some games, as we mentioned. Tyler, like it says here, you know, Dying Light 2, Stay Human, released tomorrow. But Tyler, Tyler said it's already available on, uh, on Steam. And so coming out here in the month of February, we do have ooh, Dynasty Warriors 9 Empires. It's going to be available coming up on February 15th. Oddworld, Stranger's Wrath HD. That's February 11th. You'll be able to get that. Total War Warhammer 3, available on February 17th. Horizon Forbidden West, February 18th. Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, February 22nd. And going all the way back to the original discussion topic of what game could be the biggest disappointment of 2022, Elden Ring. That's going to hit stores February 25th. Now, we're not saying it is definitely going to be that, but when you get the anticipation and when you have people really really putting their hopes into a franchise or putting their hopes into a game like this if it doesn't meet expectation that's the one that's going to be marked as that's the biggest disappointment of 2022 and then coming up in march i'll get to a couple of these here you do have uh gran turismo 7 hitting on march 4th you have assassin's creed valhalla dawn of ragnarok that's going to be some dlc that's going to be available on march 10th god that is a game i've wanted to play man Just haven't had the time Oh, The Settlers, uh, March 17th. That's a good day right there. That's going to be my birthday. And then, of course, like we just mentioned, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, that's going to be available coming up on March 25th. But that does it for your gaming news. Uh, Epic has been having their sale. Crap, Well, what? I mean, Epic has been having their sale. Oh, that's right. Bring up the Epic stuff. See, I, I, I jumped right into the uh, entertainment music. So go ahead. Yeah, so Epic is having their Lunar New Year sale. Uh, Steam's ended, I think, today or yesterday, and now Epic is has theirs going till the tenth. Theirs actually started last week, but anything of note uh, right now that needs to be mentioned? Uh, Disco Elysium is off at sixty percent off. It's only fifteen ninety nine. 
I mean, really what you can do is just go ahead to, you know, whenever these sales are going on, go to Steam, go to Epic Games and see what they have. Because um, they, they promote it pretty well uh, right there on the front page, if that's what you're looking for. Get some, get some steals of deals on games. All right, it is time to move on to our entertainment news. The BAFTAs. The nominations are in. Now, essentially, the BAFTA is uh, it's the British Academy of Film and Television Arts. It's kind of like their Oscars. Dune leads all films with 11 nominations. Did you see the new Dune, Tyler? I haven't, but I've heard mixed things. I haven't either, and I have heard mixed things. More positive, I think, than anything else. I guess it depends who you talk to. Like If you talk to newer people or people who are new to it they enjoy it but the old school people do not ah the cranky old people who they messed with my movie i don't like it exactly well it says here that dune led all films and nominations for the 2022 ee british academy film awards other movies getting a ton of nominations the power of the dog that was the one that i was talking about a few streams ago when we were talking about uh benedict cumberbatch and oh, I always forget the guy's name. He was the one in, in um, like the Star Trek episode of uh, Black Mirror. He always he kind of looks and sounds like Matt Damon, but he's not. Somebody help oh. me out in the chat. You know, you know who I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yes, the poor man's Matt Damon. Yeah, it was poor man's Matt Damon. Uh, you know, I'm Google, Google that, that and I guarantee you that, that yeah, he will pop up. Poor man's Matt Damon is... Jesse Plemons. That's him. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly who it is. But yeah, he was, uh, he's also in uh, that movie. Where the hell did it go? I just had it right in front of me. Hold on. I know where to find it. The Power of the Dog. So your best film... And again, these are the BAFTAs. You got uh, Belfast, Don't Look Up, which I've heard is brilliant. And then you have Dune, Licorice Pizza, and The Power of the Dog. Outstanding British film. One movie of note there, House of Gucci. Get to some of the acting. Oh, you got your animated films. Encanto. Flea, Luca, and the Mitchells versus the Machines. Those are the four that are up for that. And the BAFTAs, they, they seem to kind of go the same route as the Oscars, where you get the, the movies that are up for the best movie or best film award. Similarly, you get like that's those are the directors that are up for those as well. Leading actress, though, Lady Gaga for House of Gucci. She's been nominated. Tessa Thompson for Passing. Lead actor Mahershala Ali for Swan Song. Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog. Leonardo DiCaprio for Don't Look Up. Will Smith for King Richard. Again, I'm not going through all of them. It's kind of going through names of note. At least to me. And then you got all the other ones. But this is kind of this is what people use this as. Is It's a bit of a sign of what we can expect for the Oscars, essentially, is what it is. Four so, charged in overdose death of Michael K. Williams. 
Have you seen Don't Look Up, Brandon? You said you didn't, right? I have not. I really want to because everybody that has seen it has told me it's it's great. Yeah, I mean, I've so it's political, right? And I've heard that people on the left like it because it makes fun of the right. People on the right like it because it makes fun of the left. And people like me, who's I'm a libertarian, I get to laugh at all of them. So there it's a go. great movie. Oh, so yeah, you have seen it. Yes, it's okay. It's, it's yeah, great. I want to check it out. I've I've heard it compared to Idiocracy. Yeah, I guess in a very blunt way, yeah, you could say it's related to Idiocracy. Gotcha. Well, Michael K. Williams, uh, he passed away of a deadly dose of fentanyl-laced heroin. And it says here, a Brooklyn man was charged on Wednesday for selling it to him. And, of course, Michael K. Williams, he was Omar in The Wire, uh, Chalky White in uh, Boardwalk Empire. It says the man was ch- uh, the man who was charged, Irvin Cartagena, uh, and three others were accused of being part of a drug trafficking crew that continued to sell the drug even after knowing it had killed Mr. Williams. Operating in broad daylight amid apartment buildings in Brooklyn and Manhattan, according to a criminal complaint. God, it sounds like The Wire. The sale of the fatal dose to Mr. Williams in a hand-to-hand transaction in Brooklyn's Williamsburg neighborhood on September 5th, 2021, was captured on security video. Michael K. Williams, 54, was found dead in his apartment on September 6th. The medical, medical examiner ruled that his death had been caused by acute intoxication by the combined effects of fentanyl, uh, fentanyl, heroin, and cocaine. He was brilliant, too, man. Ricky Gervais. He says he's going to try and get canceled with new stand-up show. And if there's anybody that can tow this line, it's certainly Ricky Gervais. Did you see, was it the Oscars that he hosted a couple years ago? No, it was the Foreign Press. The one that the Foreign Press puts on. Oh, the Golden Globes. Golden Globes, there you go. And that's the one where he just cut everybody down to pieces, right? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have to try to get canceled. He just do his normal stuff. He'll get yeah. canceled easily. But I think I think he's one of those guys that he's smart enough and funny enough that he can toe that line where he can say things that other people cannot. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there are people who, if they were to say the things that he did, they would easily get canceled. But since it's Ricky Gervais, he's able to toe that line and not and not push that to the point where he would get canceled because we would all know where he's coming from. But it says here, down the years, countless comics have complained that political correctness, woke culture, and the prospect of being ostracized for a risque joke have left them feeling creatively stifled. But Gervais has seemingly decided that he won't be holding back with his next show. Rather, he plans on charging straight towards cancellation. God, he is 60. Did you know that? Uh, yeah, he looks good. Apparently, he says, or he said, One thing I've decided to definitely do and can't wait to start on is my new stand-up show, which is going to be called Armageddon. I'm treating it like it's my last one ever. It won't be. But I want to put everything into it. This is very similar to what Steve Harvey was saying. If you know anything about me, I'm not the biggest Steve Harvey fan, but I, he and I agree that cancel culture and wokeness has essentially destroyed a lot of things 
It started out as a, I think it started out with a good idea, and it's just completely gone too far. And Steve Harvey was saying, he's like, I couldn't do my stand-up because it, there's so many jokes where I rely on my television shows, I would get canceled, and he, and he wouldn't be able to do it. So what he was saying is that he would wait until the end of his career and then maybe do one more stand-up special and just walk off into the sunset. Have you seen any of the TV shows that he does? Steve Harvey? No, uh, Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. Oh, what's the uh, Afterlife? My wife watches that. She says it's hilarious. And it I don't is. know if I should take it as a compliment or not, but she says that I, she rem, she's reminded of me by watching him. That was the most convoluted way that I could say that. But, but, she says so he, that his character in that show reminds her of me. Um, I don't know, man. That guy, that he doesn't give a f about anything. Well, I mean, I, I, it's she's played me some of the stuff, and I thought it was hilarious. There was one scene where he's at a restaurant and there's another gentleman with his baby. And the guy's making like goo goo gaga noises and it's really getting underneath Ricky Gervais's skin. So he calls the guy out and the guy's like, oh, I'm just sitting here and, you know, like, like you know, it, it's it's a brilliant, brilliant scene. So if you can go check it out. Another great show that he does is called, uh, what is it, Derek? Derek. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. To check that out. Yes, for sure. Apparently, Rudy Giuliani was revealed on a new Masked Singer taping, and that caused Ken Jeong and Robin Thicke to storm out. God, you want to talk about somebody who just went from being an absolute icon. Like, he was America's mayor through 9-11. And now he's defending Trump with uh, hair dye sweat, you know, slipping down his face, teeth are falling out of his mouth, and he's uh, booking appointments at the Four Seasons Lawn and Garden. It says here, the taping went down last week, the first episode of the show's upcoming season, and not shockingly, Rudy was the first contestant eliminated. This comes from TMZ. It says they have confirmed, as soon as the mask came off Rudy's head, Robin Thicke and Ken Jeong blew their tops. As Deadline first reported, the judges were pissed and walked off the stage in protest. Donald uh, Trump's former attorney and advisor made jaws drop in the studio, which is not uncommon during mask reveals. But we're told Robin and Ken's response went beyond the common reaction. He's not, so he's not Trump's attorney anymore, I guess. No, he, I, I don't even know why Trump hired him as an attorney. He was never really known for being an attorney. He was a good mayor. No, he I was mean, known for being an attorney. He took down the mob. As a, but he was the uh, as a DA, right? As the DA, right? Yeah. So the DA is not. I mean, let's be honest. The DA basically has a bunch of assistant DAs who do all the heavy lifting. Well, did you ever see? It's a Netflix documentary. Uh, let me see here. And that's also criminal law. I think what Trump was that was civil, more civil-ish, right? Um, Fear City, New York versus the Mafia. Have you ever seen that? I have not. I w- I highly, highly recommend that. And it's it's interesting too because, again, it's Rudy Giuliani in a completely different light than the one he has been in the past five to six years. It's just it's it's baffling. Uh, How long had it been since he had been an attorney? It's got a head to have been a long time. Oh, jeez. Let me let me. Uh, I'll do a quick. Let's do a quick search on Giuliani. Like he probably hadn't stepped foot in a courtroom for a while. And again, as um, well, he's the one that yelled "trial by combat" for God's sakes. Yeah, I mean, 
How old is he? He is 94. Wait, what? No. no I'm kidding. He's 77. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> um, he's, he's apparently been married uh, three times. Not that that really has to do anything. Um... This is coming straight from his Wikipedia page. It says uh, Giuliani led the 1980s federal prosecution of the New York City mafia bosses as U.S. attorney for the Southern District of, of New York. Oh, that's interesting because I believe that's also um, Paul Giamatti's character. He was the U.S. attorney for the uh, Southern District of New York. After a failed campaign for mayor of New York City in the 1989 election, he succeeded in 1993 and was reelected in 1997 campaigning on a tough-on-crime platform. He led New York's controversial civic cleanup as its mayor from 1994 to 2001. Dude, he was in Seinfeld for crying out loud. Remember that? Yeah, he was a big deal. I guess he just... He lost his edge or something, but I didn't... I didn't, I didn't know how he got to be a DA. You just run for office to be a DA. I don't know how... Uh, like, what did he do... Vote to earn his DA. Um, I don't know. This, this start, yeah, this starts with him in that position. So, as right. the U.S. is the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District in New York. Now, it does here say here in 2002, Giuliani founded a security consulting business, Giuliani Partners. Um, Giuliani joined President Donald Trump's personal legal team in April 2018. His activities as Trump's attorney have drawn renewed media scrutiny, including allegations that he engaged in corruption and profiteering <laughs> in late 2019. Again, it, it, the, he might be one of the most fascinating people on the planet with with everything that he has done and, and what people think of him. In late 2019, Giuliani was reportedly under federal investigation for violating lobbying laws and possibly several other charges as a central figure in the Trump-Ukraine scandal, which resulted in Trump's first impeachment. Following the 2020 presidential election, he, uh, presidential election, he represented Trump in many lawsuits filed in attempts to overturn the election results, making false and debunked allegations about rigged voting machines. And he yelled trial by combat at a rally. Well, his teeth are falling out of his face. God, that's when you know our politics are, have skewed way too old because it happened to Trump. It happens to Biden. It happens to Pelosi. Where all of them start kind of whistling through all of their speeches because they just want to make sure that their tooth don't fall out of their face. Yeah, the average age of a congressperson is way, way, way above the average age of an American citizen. I'm God, pretty like, sure. It's, it's just stupid. But anyway, we do have a few more uh, stories to get here. Uh, on the entertainment side of things, at least. We have uh, Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, and other streamers get waves of subscribers from must-see content, but keeping them is difficult. Now, the actual headline says keeping them is hard, but I was avoiding the word hard because I didn't want to giggle like a child. <laughs> hard. Uh, roughly half of U.S. viewers have joined right after Hamilton and Wonder Woman 1984 but they were gone within six months. Um, let me see here. The data, uh, which subscriber measurement company Antenna provided to the Wall Street Journal, illustrate the extent to which the streaming wars require all players to consistently churn out popular and often expensive programming to keep fickle subscribers satisfied. Major releases have been a reliable driver of streaming subscriptions, particularly for newer services. 
Disney Plus, for instance, won far more new U.S. subscribers when the musical Hamilton came out than any other day since early 2020 when the service was still getting off the ground. Yeah, that is a ma- it's, it's got a graph right here, and it is a massive, massive spike when that happened. HBO Max saw a jump in U.S. signups when Wonder Woman 1984 was released on Christmas Day 2020. Ugh. Did you ever see Wonder Woman 1984, Tyler? No, I heard absolutely terrible I, things about it. I, I yeah, away. I'm right there with you. Did you see the, the first Wonder Woman? I did. That one was decent until bad. the end. Yeah, it wasn't bad, but it's it's not. It wasn't up to the standard of the MCU. I'll tell you mm, that. Congratulations. Well, no DC film is. But the end of Wonder Woman was absolutely terrible with that stash. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Uh, Apple TV Plus, on the day that Greyhound, a World War II movie starring Tom Hanks, came out, there was a huge spike there. But now it says here that the problem is people don't stick around for very long. Roughly half of U.S. viewers who signed up within three days of the release of Hamilton, Wonder Woman 1984, and Greyhound, they were gone within six months. (laughs) The Wall Street Journal even reached out to the parent companies, Disney, Apple, and AT&T's Warner Media. And they, uh, oh, and, uh, which is the parent company of HBO Max, and it says that they declined to comment. But speaking of streaming, we do have here a list of the Netflix original movies to look forward to here in 2022. The Adam Project. This is going to be released on March 11th. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds stars in The Adam Project as a man who travels back in time to confront his father, played by Mark Ruffalo, a.k.a. Bruce Banner, a.k.a. The Hulk, accompanied by a younger version of himself. Jennifer Garner plays the character's mother, and other cast members include Catherine Keener and Zoe Saldana. The Gray Man. This one's TBD, so we just know that it's going to be coming out here at some point this year, but it's going to have, looks like Chris Evans. Ryan Gosling as well. They play uh, a fugitive CIA agent and a man sent to hunt him down. The cast also includes... um, Names I can't pronounce. You guys can look it up. I'm not going to fart around with that. Knives Out 2. Now, I thought that they had a release date for this one. Is this article old? It is from January 13th, so it's a couple weeks old. i got to look that up. Because that's the big one that I was looking out for. And Tyler, you said you were a big fan of Knives Out, right? Yes, it was excellent. Um, God, it still says here it's just listed as 2022. I could have sworn that they had given an actual date, but we'll keep an eye out for that. Some other movies to look forward to. There's one called Blonde. It's a biopic, part fiction about the life of Marilyn Monroe. Do you say biopic or biopic, Tyler? It's. I think it's biopic, but I like to say biopic just to be a, you know. See, because who was calling me out on that? Was that Shim? No, nah, I think it was my brother, but I think it was giving you a hard time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's biopic because it's a bio biography picture. Anyway, Jennifer Lopez, she's in a movie called The Mother... Persuasion is another one to be looking forward to. I'm just going through the names here so that you guys can get, put a little nugget in your brain there. Lady Chatterley's Lover. Oh, Luther! Yes! Have you ever seen Luther? It is, and I do enjoy it. Oh, Idris Elba, baby. says, Luther has to be one of Netflix's most anticipated movies this year because it's a sequel to an already popular series. Idris Elba will return to the franchise in his role as Detective John Luther. Oh. Love it. White Noise is another one to look forward to, and another one called The Bubble. It says here in the words, The Bubble, bring the ongoing pandemic to mind. You're spot on. 
Oh, if the word, the bubble. This new comedy from Judd Apatow is about a group of actors stuck in a pandemic bubble at a hotel while trying to make a movie. I think that could be interesting. There's another TV sh- series that uh, it's with Will. Is it Will Arnett? The guy. Oh, who, uh, Mur- uh, Murderville. Yes. Is that Netflix? I think it is. Oh, man. that I'm kind of looking forward to that. It's and a that's British coming out thing. Just in, a, in, let me see here. Very shortly, I believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But that looks super interesting. Um, yeah, because it's all about mysteries, but it's also about improv too, isn't it? Yeah. So he plays a detective. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. First step. It's uh, today, February third. Oh wow! Well, look at that. See what happens when we uh, prep. All right. On a quick side note before we get to sports here, uh, we do have the daily donation goal. If anybody is tuned in here, um, one of the things that we're looking to do with our daily donation goal is we're trying to hit 20 bucks uh, per stream. Because essentially what we're going to do is we're going to recycle that back into things for you guys. I reached out to Charlie from Viva La Mocha today, and I'm going to get a number for what it's going to cost me to order some T-shirts with the logo. In case, you know, logo right up there, the real Brandalorian. And... Maybe even some History of Rock t-shirts as well, I think, is something that we might do. Um, but what we can do is if we hit these daily donation goals is that I can purchase the shirts and then we can start doing the giveaways. So normally we would have a quiz. I just ran out of time with the quiz today, so I wasn't able to do it. But we have a quiz based on things that you've heard on the stream. And um, that would somehow be incorporated in there. I'm not really sure how yet. But I'm just trying to figure out getting the T-shirts done and doing all that other stuff. So if you can do one buck, two bucks, three bucks, even if we don't actually meet the donation goal, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, We're just trying to get as much in as we can because we want to do the giveaways. We also want to get some new equipment, a new camera. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with the background setup. I don't really think I need a whole lot there. I got, uh, where are we at here? This one, that Mandalorian was uh, from Ross. And then, God, I, I would be a terrible weatherman. I can't point. God, Jesus Christ, Brent. This one right here. The big fucking poster that's over my right shoulder. The Mandalorian. That was a gift from my wife for Christmas. Oh, my God. The stream is uh, it's taking a dark turn. It's the weather. All right. It is time for your sports news, ladies and gentlemen. And obviously the big, big news here over the past couple of days is uh, former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores is suing the NFL. Have you followed any of this, Tyler? Nope. <laughs> Man, th- it's this is kind of a big deal. So what came about originally was Flores is a former assistant for the New England Patriots. So he's he has a relationship with Bill Belichick. Flores was going to go interview for the New York Giants head coaching job. Belichick mixed up the Bryants. Brian Dable is now the new head coach of the New York Giants. He was the former offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills this year. Belichick thought that's who he was texting because he was like, yeah, I heard you're their guy. Congratulations on the job. And then Flores was like, who do you think you're talking to right now? Because Flores hadn't even interviewed for the job yet. So what this relates to is the Rooney rule. And the Rooney rule came into place about 20 years ago. And what the Rooney rule is, is it basically says to uh, teams... You, if you're if you're searching for a head coaching position, you have to include one minority. 
But that was all they were really told. It doesn't have to be how serious it was or anything like that. So this obviously irked Flores because the Giants brought him in to just meet the Rooney rule um, minimum when they'd already picked their guy. So then Flores went back and, and he interviewed for the Denver Broncos head coaching job a few years ago when they gave it to Vic Fangio. And he kind of had a similar experience. You know, he showed up. John Elway, I guess, was like an hour late. And Flores felt kind of weird about it. And you could kind of tell that the Broncos had probably already picked Vic Fangio. And they only brought in Brian Flores as a guy that would meet the standards for the Rooney rule. So he ended up getting the job with the Dolphins. He was there for a few seasons and he didn't do too bad. I mean, they missed the playoffs this year. But come to find out, Flores says that owner of the Miami Dolphins, Stephen Ross, said to him he would give him $100,000 per loss back in 2019, specifically so they could land Joe Burrow. They wanted the number one overall pick. And I believe back then in 2019, the Dolphins ended up going 5-11. and 11. Um, Let me double check. The Bengals ended up going 2-14. and 14. And the Bengals ended up, obviously, they, they got the number one pick. They got Joe Burrow. Wow, and they just started rough. Rough, rough, rough that year. But Brian Flores is the kind of guy. I had heard another story that he was on one, a Stephen Ross yacht, and he heard a quarterback was being brought on during the tampering period, and that quarterback ended up being Tom Brady. But Flores didn't want to be around to break the rules of the tampering, so he asked to get off the yacht. He wanted to, he wanted to leave, so he did. So if I'm picking a side here based on all the information that's out there, I'm going with Brian Flores. But I also have um, other information from people who have worked within the Dolphins organization that say Stephen Ross is kind of a piece of garbage. Like, he's not a good dude. And if he was legitimately telling Brian Flores, here's $100,000 per loss... You're essentially trying to fix games. And now that gambling has become legal in a lot of states, this could end up biting him in the ass big time. Big, 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 big time. And I, I firmly believe that Brian Flores should be a head coach in the NFL. He did not do a terrible job in Miami. He obviously had an owner that was working against him. You always heard these issues with Tua. Like, they tanked for Tua. So, he he needs to find a job. I've heard rumors that he is still up for maybe a couple of the jobs that are out there. There's still a lot of teams in the NFL that don't have head coaches right now. So, it'll be interesting to see what unfolds with this. But if I'm picking a side right now, I'm 100% with Brian Flores, man. So, after all this news broke, Hugh Jackson, the former head coach of the Cleveland Browns, he says that he was kind of incentivized to lose for the Browns as well to try to get as high of draft picks as they can. And they talked about this uh, in Philadelphia with the 76ers. 
it was just called the process. Like, they were essentially losing games to try to get high draft picks. So, I mean, one of the only things that these leagues can do is you have to make it so that it's not the team with the worst record gets the number one overall pick. Tom Brady retired. Bill Belichick finally acknowledged it. There's a lot of people who are all butthurt about how, oh, my God, did you see that Tom Brady had this, like, six-page post and he didn't mention the Patriots once? Well, he said goodbye to them when he left. He had a whole thing when he when he left Foxborough when, when Tampa Bay came to New England this past season. It was not that big of a deal. But it says here in a statement from Bill Belichick on the retirement of Tom Brady, he says, I am privileged to have drafted and coached Tom Brady, the ultimate competitor and winner. Tom's humble beginning in professional football ultimately ended with him becoming the best player in NFL history. Tom cons uh, consistently performed at the highest level against competition that always made him the number one player to stop. His pursuit of excellence was inspirational. Tom was professional on and off the field and carried himself with class, integrity, and kindness. I thank Tom for his relentless pursuit of excellence and positive impact on me and the New England Patriots for 20 years. And it's interesting that Belichick included in there becoming the best player in NFL history because people would ask him about that. Who's the best player you coached? Because remember, Bill Belichick coached Lawrence Taylor for the New York Giants back in the day. And he was always wary of, of uh, even comparing people. He would always duck those questions. But for him to come out, that's a pretty big thing from uh, the hood, if you will. And finally, for sports... We have our Super Bowl ads. They're all sold out. And uh, they're going for about $7 bucks. It says here, NBC sold out, its uh, sold out of its inventory for the big game scheduled to be broadcast coming up February 13th at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. NBC Universal said in a statement Thursday that it has sold every in-game unit available across NBC, Telemundo, and all digital platforms, including Peacock. Only a handful of pregame slots remain open for sale. As $7 Madison, million. Dollars. Seven That's million. Insane. It says here, as Madison Avenue's Super Bowl desire surged, NBC pushed up the price of getting into the big game. During the upfront, the network sought between $5.8 and $6.2 million for a 30-second spot. Good God. So the whole point of advertising is that there's supposed to be some sort of return on your investment, right? Yeah. Who how who thinks that advertising during the football or during the Super Bowl is going to get them seven million dollars worth of business in return? I don't know, but I got to tell you this: every time I watch a Super Bowl, I get cravings for avocados from Mexico. I don't. But... There's been some pretty big flops when it comes to the Super Bowl commercials. Don't we normally start seeing the Super Bowl commercials at this point, or is it just the week leading up? Because that ruins it, man. Like, the whole point was to keep people interested in the actual commercial breaks. I like the ones where they would do a tease, and then it would be, and then it would lead into finish the rest of the story during the Super Bowl. I thought that that was always brilliant. Did I also tell you the connection that I have to Super Bowl commercials, Tyler? Uh, no. A uh, good buddy of mine. We went to high school with. Um, he's been. Oh, he was in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Do you know the episode when 
Oh, I'm forgetting the name of the group, but it was this fake group that Dennis started for Mac. And Dax Shepard and another big bearded guy show up and they're like working out and stuff. I do, do not remember this. Well, the big bearded guy is my buddy, um, Kazzy. And oh, that's cool. he, he's been in a ton of things. And I think it was like a good four to five year stretch. He was in a Super Bowl commercial every single year. Um, Doritos was one. He was the one that all the guys are walking down the hallway and he peeks into the, the girl's room and she's got a bag of Doritos. So all the other guys leave and then end of the commercial, it's Cassie in a dress eating Cheetos. And he's got them all mashed up in his beard. What else has he been in? Oh, he was in a Justin Timberlake video. A Just Dance or whatever the hell the video is called. He's the dancing mechanic. But he has $7 million just for a flippant commercial. How about that? But that does it for your, uh, for your sports. And, of course, you know what that means, right, Tyler? Well, normally it would be quiz time. Yeah, normally it would be quiz time. I apologize. I got distracted today. But now five fast questions, bam. It is time for five, set, five fast questions. I'm going to get the music ready to go. And here we go. It is time for five fast questions. Tyler, you have the questions. I have the answers. Ready? Fire away, sir. Number one, what is the worst movie you ever had to sit through? Woody Woodpecker. Number two, what is one character's death you just can't get over? Oh, Fred Weasley, man. Number three, what song is stuck in your head? Ah, oh, Star Dog Champion by Mother Love Bone. Number four, what is one thing you would tell your 16-year-old self? Don't be afraid to fail. And, uh, and uh, something else I've said before, don't take yourself too seriously. Number five, what's the best way to insult someone without swearing? Oh, it would be when you get, like, those southern ladies and they go, Oh, bless your heart. And that is your five fast questions, ladies and gentlemen, and we will get into these a little bit more. Tyler, what was the first question? First one is, what is the worst movie you ever had to sit through? Oh, my God. i got to tell you this, man. When you have kids, you sit through some garbage. I went out to the living room this past weekend, and the goddamn Emoji movie was on. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, that's the one that you ended up getting stuck with, right, Tyler? Uh, yeah, but luckily I didn't have to sit through the whole thing. <laughs> no, it was uh, the Angry Birds movie. And I was going to go hang out with my kid, but I didn't want to make her turn it off, and I didn't want to sit through that crap, so I just turned around and came into the back room and <laughs> did some work. But, yeah, Woody Woodpecker. Oh, my God. It was so bad. Like, so bad. My kid loved it, so I wasn't going to turn it off, but God damn. All right, what was the next question? Or what, what's, what's, the, uh, what's the worst movie you ever had to sit through, Tyler? So I took a Soviet film class in college, so I had to sit through a bunch of Soviet-era films, and oh most of them were absolutely awful. That is a strange class, but of course, what was your degree in again? History. History. Uh, what was the next question? All right, number two. What is one character's death you just can't get over? Oh, man. I and mean, It's obviously Harry Potter. You've got a ton of deaths and stuff like that. But, man, mine, uh, it's got to be Fred Weasley. Like, that, that one hurts my soul. Like, when you go back and watch or reread the books and how close Fred and George Weasley were, and the fact that he's the one, like, I believe he was the only Weasley that died. 
in the Deathly Hollows, like out of, out of all of that stuff. But man, God, that one's brutal. Do you have a death that uh, that you just can't yeah. get over? Matthew Crowley in Downton Abbey. <laughs> Never seen Downton Abbey. Is that, yeah. that one? That one really hits you, huh? Yeah, it's uh, basically couldn't watch the show after that. Really? Yeah, see, that's what's one of the weird things is that when you get one of these shows and they, they kill somebody off and it just changes the course of the show or it makes it difficult. And, oh, because, I mean, you think about it, the other deaths in Harry Potter, like Sirius Black, that one was a tough one to get over. I still remember reading, again, by the way, spoiler alert, I still remember reading um, the, the death of Dumbledore. Oh, my God. That one messed up my next day. Like I read it at night, and then I went to work the next day, and I was like, I was legitimately in a funk because Dumbledore died. God. Wow. Frank says Luke Skywalker's death still irritates him. Well, does it irritate you, or is it something like that you can't, like you feel like it emotionally hits you? Because that's that's uh, I think two different things there. All right, what was the next question? What song is stuck in your head right now? Oh man, I got to tell you. So I've been gearing up for. The podcast with Shim and the first episode of the history of rock, it's going to be about Mother Love Bone. So I've been watching a lot of documentaries and things like that about Andrew Wood and Mother Love Bone and Star Dog Champion. That's one that's uh, if I could act legitimately play it for you guys here, I would. Um, but, yeah, if you, when you guys listen to that song, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So do you have a song stuck in your head right now? If you like pina coladas. And now that's stuck in everybody's head. Thank you, Tyler. Next question. I thought that was the point. Yeah. Kind of. All right, number four. (laughs) What is one thing you would tell your 16-year-old self? Um... Yeah, I said, don't be afraid to fail. And also, like, something I said before, which was, uh... Don't take yourself too seriously. I think that my fear of failure prevented me from doing a lot of things. I think that, uh... The fear of criticism as well also prevented me from doing a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, I'm, it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to turn 42 this year and I'm finally getting over all of this crap. And so I would go back and I'd be, I'd tell myself, like, look, man, like, just don't take yourself too seriously and failure's fine. Like, you don't have to be perfect. What about you, Tyler? What would you go tell 16-year-old Tyler? Invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> That's brilliant. All right, what was the final question? What's the best way to insult someone without swearing? Oh, man. We would talk about this on the morning show and how people would would bring up the whole, oh, bless your heart. And I know it's not always meant as an insult. It can always be something, you know, from just a nice southern lady. But that is a way that, that it's kind of thrown out there where it's like, oh, my God, you're an idiot. Bless your heart. You just don't know any better. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. What's your best way to insult somebody without using a profanity? Call them a jack wagon. A jack wagon. All right. Yes, it's a it's a military term. A military term. What kind of uh? What is Basically, it in reference to? It's a it refers to a useless person because they think in was Vietnam they had these uh, uh wagons that basically were useless. They couldn't be used for anything. So you call someone a jack wagon. That refers to a useless person. All right. Well, we're going to toss a little Stefan in the chat right there for you guys. Oh, by the way, we do have emotes now for sub uh, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Um, we have a whole bunch of new emotes that you guys get to play around with right there. Oh, my goodness gracious. Bless your heart. 
All right, we're going to get into our final topic for today. Here's a bunch of things that we learned about nostalgic cartoons uh, in about the past year. There you go. See, Frank's got the uh, Freddie Mercury. Twitchy's doing the Grogu. Frank's got cookies now. I specifically chose that one so the next time we're on with Shim and that, that son of a bitch is eating cookies again and you can hear it, we're just going to we're gonna just blast it with, uh, with cookies. But anyway, there you go. The first thing on here, Paul Winchell, the voice of Gargamel on the Smurfs, invented and patented the first artificial heart. Actor and comedian Paul Winchell was a man of many talents. He was a ventriloquist and also an inventor, building and patenting the uh, a mechanical heart back in 1963. It says that he began voice acting for Hanna-Barbera during the late 1960s, notably appearing in uh, Winnie the Pooh featurettes as the voice of Tigger. Winchell won a Grammy for Winnie the Pooh and the Tigger 2 in 1974. When the Smurfs first aired in 1981, he provided the voice of Gargamel. While Winchell navigated acting and performing, he simultaneously invented and patented dozens of devices. His artificial heart design, which he donated to the University of Utah, was fundamental in developing the model that was used in 1982 for the first artificial heart transplant. It's an interesting dude right there. This is something that I think that we've known. They have this listed here as something that we've just recently found out about, but Mel Blanc performed all of the major Looney Tunes characters at some point in time. We all knew that, right? Did you ever hear about his car accident, Tyler? No. And how they got him to wake up? Nope. So, January 1961, Blank fell into a coma for two weeks after a serious car incident and was in the hospital for 70 days. He continued his recovery at home in a hospital 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 bed. Sound like Porky Pig right there. But this didn't stop him from working. The cast and the crew of the Flintstones came to Blank's home, set up his microphone, microphone and he would read Barney Rubble. Because he was Barney Rubble. It says here, according to Blank's son, the prolific voice actor's connection to one of his best-known characters, Bugs Bunny, was undeniable. When Blank was in a coma, that same coma from the car accident, doctors searched for signs of life, speaking to him with no response. And this is where this is where it gets a little bit hairy. This one here says that after seeing Looney Tunes playing on TV, they switched to another tactic. The doctor said to Blank, who, by the way, is still in a coma, Bugs, can you hear me? To which Mel, in character, responded, Yeah, what's up, Doc? That's Just awesome. Stew on that one for a little bit. Chuck Jones had a list of nine rules for Wild E. Coyote and Roadrunner cartoons. Rule number one, the Roadrunner cannot harm the coyote except by going beep, beep. Rule number two, no outside force can harm the coyote, only his own ineptitude or the failure of the Acme products. Rule number three, the coyote could stop anytime. If you were not a fanatic, repeat, a fanatic is one who redoubles his effort when he has forgotten his aim. No dialogue ever except beep, beep. Rule number five, the roadrunner must stay on the road. Otherwise, logically, he would not be called roadrunner. 
Rule number six, all action must be confined to the natural environment of the two characters, the Southwest American Desert. Rule number seven, all materials, tools, weapons, and mechanical conveniences must be obtained from the Acme Corporation. Which is interesting, because I think we have since found out that a coyote could actually run faster than a roadrunner. Rule number eight, whenever possible, make gravity the coyote's big, greatest enemy. And rule number nine, the coyote is always more humiliated than harmed by his failures. Next one on the list, the same actor has voiced Fred on Scooby-Doo for more than 50 years. Scooby-Doo uh, Scooby was once the longest-running animated series on television. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? debuted back in 1969, and new iterations of the show have continued to run for decades. In 2004, Scooby-Doo became the longest-running animated comedy, according to Guinness World Records. Scooby-Doo no longer holds that title, however. Currently, the longest-running animated series is what, Tyler? The Simpsons, I assume. The Simpsons, at least in the Western world. While Seizei-san from Japan ran continuously from 1969 to 2020. Through the years and in many new and reshaped Scooby shows and movies, Shaggy and Scooby have been the only characters present at every step. Frank Welker, one of the most prolific voice actors in the history of animation, with as many as 850 credits to his name, started voicing Fred on Scooby-Doo from the outset and has ever since. Damn. After the voice, for, uh, voice actor passed away, uh, Don Messick, who did, who did Scooby-Doo, uh, Welker took over voicing Scooby as well. Welker was 23 years old when he started voicing Fred Jones in 1969. And although the show had uh, some brief hiatuses from airing, he remained a constant as the man who drives the mystery machine. And you remember who voiced Shaggy, don't you? No. Casey Kasem. He voiced Shaggy? He did. Wow. I'm Casey Kasem. Scooby-Doo, where are you? Uh, many Hanna-Barbera characters had collars and neckties to make them easier to draw. This is stuff you hear all the time about these cartoons back in the days. They were always trying to find easier ways to animate them. And it says here that according to Joseph Barbera, putting a collar or necktie on a character helped cut costs, which was important when the creators shifted their focus from putting cartoons on the big screen to television during the late 50s and, 60, and early 60s. With a collar, animators only had to worry about drawing a character's head the body could remain relatively static. This technique, called limited animation, developed because there was no money, absolutely no money, according to Barbera. Oh, snap. This one's kind of brutal. George O'Hanlon, the voice of George Jetson, had a fatal stroke while recording his lines. When the Jetsons was revived in the 80s, O'Hanlon was at, again tapped to voice George. By the time, by that time, he had suffered a stroke and couldn't read, he couldn't memorize, he couldn't concentrate very well. The studio was willing to accommodate him, and O'Hanlon received assistance recording his lines. According to Joseph Barbera, O'Hanlon couldn't see, so you had to read him a line, then he would do it, and that was one line at a time. Good lord. The same system was used when O'Hanlon voiced George for the Jetsons movie in 1989, 
As he was finishing up a recording session, however, he showed signs of distress. He was taken to the hospital where he passed soon after, the result of a second stroke. Next one on this list, Kurt Cobain wanted to write the theme song for the Ren and Stimpy show, but he was turned down. Grunge icon Kurt Cobain could have written the song, at least according to voice actor Billy West. During a 2010 interview, he said one day, this scraggly kid comes in and said he wanted to write a song for Ren and Stimpy, and they said, yeah, that's great, and they threw it in the wastebasket. It was Kurt Cobain. I think John, I uh, always get his name wrong. He's the guy that's like really sketchy, the creator and Snippy Crick Falusi. He was like, who does this guy think he is? Who do all these people think they're com uh, that are coming in here? Ever since Wes told the story, Cobain fans have wondered what happened to the song and if it might be one of the home recordings released on Montage of Heck in 2015. In 2021, West was asked on Twitter if he knew what happened to this alleged song, and West replied, I don't think the song actually exists. As far as I know, it had yet to be uh, written and remained a proposal. <laughs> there you go. Drunk fans of the Flintstones used to call the studio to ask what Barney did for a living. He worked with Fred, right? Didn't it? Yeah, I thought he did. Pretty sure or, did that, or did that come later? Oh, it says right here. Um, so representatives from the company told an author, uh, David Feldman, they used to get calls from drunk fans who needed to know what Barney would put as his occupation on his tax forms. One security guard said... I know why you're calling. You want to know what Barney Rubble did for a living. He worked at the quarry. But why don't you call back after opening hours? It says that remains the company's stance on Barney's job to this day. While he worked for Mr. Slate's quarry, there's still no real clarity as to what he did there. Uh, Frank Sinatra in a 1950 sitcom served as inspiration for Scooby-Doo. Frank Sinatra's 1966 song Strangers in the Night closes with a somewhat bungled phrase, one that inspired the name of an equally klutzy dog. Sinatra riffs Scooby Dooby Doo, which inspired the moniker for the lovable mystery solving canine. According to television executive Fred Silverman, who had an idea for a show about teenage mystery solvers, he heard the music while on a plane, and it made him think of making their dog a key character. Oh, my God. Captain Planet. Good Lord. Remember Captain Planet? Yeah. Uh, Don Cheadle does a great job as Captain Planet. <laughs> yeah. Well, it says here Captain Planet was uh, the first children's show to address HIV and AIDS. Most of the episodes pit the planeteers against enemies who target the environment, such as Duke Nukem. Not the Duke Nukem, right? He plans to generate an atomic power plant meltdown that would rival Chernobyl. But in one instance, the Planeteers fight against misinformation and fear-mongering in an episode about HIV and AIDS, making it the first children's program to discuss the disease. A Formula for Hate first aired November 21st, 1992. When was that Magic Johnson special, though? 
Were you too young to remember this, Tyler? When Magic Johnson, like when we all found out that uh, that he had HIV? Yeah, I don't really remember that. Uh, Nickelodeon HIV special. Um, a conversation with Magic Johnson. Such as came from 1992. Wow, it's on YouTube. Oh, damn. And I remember there was this one kid that kept asking all these questions. And... They kept having to correct him because he was like, I'm talking about AIDS. And they were like, well, it's not actually AIDS. It's HIV. Yeah, I remember watching this, man. Yeah, see, this aired March 25th, 1992. So this whole thing about uh, Captain Planet's a bunch of malarkey because that didn't come out until later that year. Anyway, the actress who voiced Tommy on Rugrats recorded an episode while she was in labor. It's not entirely clear if Daly, that's uh, Elizabeth Daly, the one who voiced Tommy Pickles, was the first person to be in label, labor while voicing a role for any cartoon, but Rugrats does hold the distinction of another first. On June 28, 2001, a ceremony was held to award Rugrats with its star on Hollywood Boulevard, the first for a Nickelodeon cartoon. Uh, there's one that we've already covered on the show. An episode of Tiny Toon Adventures was banned in 1991 after showing underage drinking. So it showed Buster and all of them getting wasted and then going to school. Remember Powerpuff Girls, Tyler? I do. I love Powerpuff Girls. Well, did you know it was originally going to be called Whoop-Ass Girls? <laughs> Whoop-Ass Girls? Apparently. It says here, when Craig McCracken came up with the idea for what became the Powerpuff Girls, they were called Whoop-ass, girls. That's right. I uh, pronounced the H. Whoop-ass. In honor of the chemical that changed them into superheroes. McCracken's original project, Whoop-ass Stew, was honored in the debut episode of the Powerpuff Girls series in 1992, titled Whoop-ass Stew, A Sticky Situation. It told the story of how Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup came upon the concoction that gave them their powers, Chemical X. The Powerpuff Girls kept up with the adult-oriented content in more subtle ways in at least one of the episodes titled Meet the Beat Alls. In the episode, villains Mojo, Jojo, Him, Fuzzy Lumpkins, and Princess join forces to defeat the girls when Lumpkins uses a large rock to smash them. Surprised at their efficacy, the four villains decide to become a rock supergroup called the Beat Alls and wreak havoc on Townsville. The group implodes when Mojo Jojo meets a female chimp named Moko Jono and it breaks up the band. Oh my god. And our final one here. I was a big He-Man guy. He-Man was probably a little pre-your time, right Tyler? Uh, no, I loved He-Man. Okay. Because that was, I mean... That was big when I was like, you know, one, two years old, because it was like 19, uh, 1981. But it says here Mattel was sued over He-Man's resemblance to Conan. He-Man bears a striking resemblance to Conan the Barbarian. This fact is apparent to anyone familiar with both franchises. Most importantly, it was evident uh, to Conan Properties, Inc., which held the rights to Robert E. Howard's creation. The company sued Mattel in 1982 for copyright infringement. The lawsuit claimed 
that CPI and Mattel entered into negotiations in 1980 for licensing rights to allow the toy company to make products related to Conan the Barbarian. Soon to be a major motion picture starring rising star Arnold Schwarzenegger. The agreement was signed in July 1981 and it gave Mattel the right to make and sell plastic figures, action figures of Conan and ancillary characters as depicted in the Conan movie. Mattel wanted the agreement altered in 1982, and by April of that year, the license was terminated with the stipulation that all uh, product material produced materials be delivered to CPI. The following year, Mattel introduced He-Man. I think you've told me about that Skeletor staff, Tyler. It yeah. Was, like, it, like it was a full staff for you, right? Like it wasn't for yes. the toy. It was for you. Yes, it was a full-on staff, and it made and you like ran Skeletor. Away, huh? It made Skeletor noises, man. I was scared <laughs> of that thing. God, I remember that one Christmas when I got Castle Grayskull. And it, Castle Grayskull, I, I was such a wimp back in the day. Like, I, like everything would terrify me. It blows my mind that something like Castle Grayskull wasn't terrifying to me. Wasn't Castle Castle Grayskull like the goods? Yeah, no, it was. It was, but it was still a skull. Snake Fair. Mountain? Ah, oh, God. Memory lane, baby. It says here that ultimately the lawsuit was decided in Mattel's favor, letting the company retain its rights to the character. A number of factors went into the decision, but more than anything, it was proven that the two properties were essentially unrelated. He-Man was first conceptualized and pitched to Mattel in early 1980 before the two companies' licensing agreement was discussed. Though muscular barbarians were certainly in the culture ether at that time, also see Thundar the Barbarian. God, you remember Thundar? No, Thundar? What? Oh, my goodness. No. Oh, so much to teach you, young man. It says here it was difficult to prove a direct link between Conan and He-Man. But on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we haven't gotten a single dollar for our donations. So we might have to wrap up here with not making anything. You ever learn something? Oh, there we go. That's a YouTube video right there that uh, popped up and started playing that I didn't want to. That's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, essentially kind of what we're doing here is if we can get $20 a day, I can start buying these T-shirts. I can start buying some other things to do as giveaways for you guys. Um, so we'll be on tomorrow. I think at noon, Tyler and I will probably uh, throw down on some Halo. We're going to see how that goes, the big team battle. I might reach out to a couple of the guys, see if anybody happens to be home. Frank, you're going to be working, so... You can watch us play, um, but we'll be on at noon tomorrow. And then again, remember the schedule. We have noon, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then 6 p.m. Tuesday, Thursday. Um, and to make it even more confusing for you, the talk show formats, Mondays and Thursdays, and then we're live streaming games Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Friday. So tomorrow at noon, that's when we'll do that. Make sure that you guys are checking out all of the um, original Gamer Life social medias. Head to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. I'm posting a lot of YouTube shorts. If you guys can, look, I know we talk about the donations and stuff, but something that would definitely help us if you guys were able to find these videos, go to these social medias, A, like the pages, but then also start liking the videos and sharing the videos as much as you can. That's going to benefit us a lot because we really want to get the word out there on Original Gamer Life and everything that we're doing with it. So if you could do that, I would be much appreciated. On that note, Tyler, any parting words for the lovely audience? Nope, just thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. When everybody comes in and watches us yammer on for like an hour and a half. Yeah, that's what we do. Led Zeppelin wrote a song about us. It's called Ramble On. You guys might not know that, but that was written about me. 
Ramble on, my friends. Ramble on. But on that note, we'll be back here tomorrow, noontime, mountain time for you guys. On that note, make sure you guys have yourselves a safe rest of your night if you're in El Paso or pretty much, I think, anywhere across the United States at this point. Uh, try to stay warm. All except Frank. I think it's still warm in Tallahassee. You lucky SOB. But uh, have yourselves a great Thursday. Peace out, everybody. Bye.